Welcome to episode 952 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast of Baseball Prospectus, presented by our Patreon supporters and the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I am Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hello. Yo. And we are joined today by Andy McCullough, Dodgers beat writer for the LA Times. Hello, Andy. Hey, what's up, man? AJ Perzinski might be retiring. Emergency podcast. Yeah, that's why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys know that uh, slightly re- related? Did you guys know that Jeff Francoeur was still playing baseball? <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. he's been uh, he's been in, he's been in the news lately. So I did. I, I wouldn't have known. I mean, if if three weeks had gone by without me seeing his name, I would have sworn he retired in 2013. Wait, why has he been in the news? <laughs> uh, John Boyce wrote about him. That's main, <laughs> the main thing. I don't know if that counts as news. I don't know. Like he, well, he he didn't didn't he he doubled off Kershaw yesterday or something. That's that counts as being in the news. I've just I've seen his name. Like there there are a lot of guys who are acting. Like I just found out that he Tom Gorzal- traded. So that I, was one thing. That too. I just found out Tom Gorzolani was active, and the, I only found out because it was like, a, hey, did you know Tom Gorzolani's still active? So like, Frank Gore could have easily fell into that bucket where like, if I don't hear your name for three weeks, I assume you're you're retired. Um, but I just I keep hearing Frenchie's name. Yeah, I th- and sp- in in relatively relatively related news, uh, I think Joe Nathan is the Giants' closer now. Is that <laughs> is he their closer? <laughs> he is. He is definitely on their team. Uh, he might. I mean, I don't know. That actually, you know, there's some symmetry there. Back to Pierzynski. This was a great podcast, guys. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we all did this after midnight on the East Coast, so we could <laughs> reminisce about Frank Cora and Joe Nathan. So. Uh, uh, <laughs> we have convened this emergency weekend podcast. Podcast court is in session because it turns out that uh, removing Ross Stripling with a no-hitter earlier in the season was just the warm-up act for Dave Roberts's follow-up, which was removing Rich Hill from a perfect game after seven innings and 89 pitches. Andy was there. We were all there in spirit, uh, either watching or following along in some fashion, and Rich Hill was dazzling, as uh, he often is these days when he is able to pitch, and it was a shock. Let's say it was a shock when he was removed. This is a unique pitching line. I don't know if that is a saving grace at all for you, Sam. First, it's like? not. It's. I mean, he's he's the first in history who's ever been pulled from right. a, from a um, true <laughs> true perfect game bid. I, right. I mean, he's so. first in history. Nobody's ever gone further than five and been pulled from a perfect game for any reason. So. Yeah. So it's historic. <laughs> so you got a unique pitching line out of this, but we did not get a Rich Hill perfect game or a Rich Hill perfect game attempt. Instead, we got Joe Blanton versus Jeff Francoeur. And Andy, you were there. You were following along. You were listening to the postgame comments. So what was the mood in the press box as this decision unfolded? I think in press box, everyone was not surprised. I mean, I think it was kind of a, you're watching thinking like, is Hill going to get it, but is he going to get the chance? And that's because of the blisters, because, you know, he's pitched in 
three big league games since July 7th, et cetera, et cetera. So in the press box, it was, you know, surprising for sure, but not uh, overly shocking. I think we're going to need, I think I need to uh, interrupt it. I need to know some blister uh, information <laughs> because I don't, I don't really know how blisters work. Like they, they come up and sometimes they keep guys out for a start and sometimes they keep guys out for many starts. But like, is, does a blister start forming at pitch 90? I don't, I actually don't, I genuinely don't know how blisters work for pitchers. I mean, like, was he more at risk in the eighth inning than he was uh, in the second inning? Yeah, okay. because it's a, it's a, uh, you know, thinking about how do you get a blister? It's from, you know, using your fingers or whatever, like to, um, you know, like when you get a blister on your heel, you don't get it from running a mile, you get it from running 10 miles, right? Yeah. What do you mean, yeah? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's how blisters work. Of course, no, that's exactly how blisters work. But once you, well, okay, for one thing, once you, you know how blisters work, and then you're shitting on my blister. Dog. We brought on a noted blister expert, Andy McCullough, and now you're questioning no, his testimony. I, my, my, no, my, my, yeah, is is that I don't actually know anything about blisters. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to. This is like you know how it is when you're reporting, Andy, and you have to tell the source, talk to me like I'm a third grader. I, here's two sure. things. I here's two things I know about blisters. One. When you get a blister, uh, it is often because you haven't gone hiking in seven years. And so you get that blister, but then you get a callus, and then you never get a blister right. again. Golfers get blisters, and then they never get blisters again. So I don't know that I would think that Richo was particularly at risk of a blister right now. But second, the most important thing that I know, or think I know, talk to me like I'm a third grader, is that lots of pitchers get blisters and very few careers end because of it. So I just assume that they just get over the blister. Like Rich Hill had had a blister. He had blister problems. Is is this going to be like for the rest of his life? He can't go ninety pitches. Like how does it work? I don't think that's true. Uh, that for the rest of his life, for the next you know twenty years, he's in baseball because he's like the greatest pitcher ever. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, your point makes sense, but I think it's, uh, you know, they're trying to build a callus, but I think it's the idea, and they have built a callus, but it's the idea that if the callus rips and the blister resurfaces, then they are, like, screwed. Then they're done for, like, you know, two weeks to a month, and that's something they can't afford to do. So the idea, and there's some discrepancy, you know, like Dave Roberts said the blister heated up and got tender, and Rich Hill said, you know, his finger was fine. Um, I, you know, I'm sure there's some dissonance there between, you know, the player always saying he's fine and, and the manager, you know, trying to look out for him, I guess. But yeah, I mean, essentially the, the risk is like, if that blister rips, then the Dodgers are screwed and the Dodgers don't want to be screwed. Uh, they want to be the opposite of it. Um, you know, they, they want to be like me in high school. Um, they, uh, you know, they want to, yeah, wow, that was bad. Um, <laughs> It's late, late night pod. <laughs> they want to win the World Series, is what I'm saying, and uh, not having Rich Hill really hurts that endeavor. And does the blister have something to do with the fact that he throws curveballs like almost half the time? Do you so think? the there was multiple blisters, okay. uh, uh, both on the index finger, one caused by the curveball and one caused by the fastball. <laughs> so <laughs> those are the two the two pitches he throws. I'm just curious, this is kind of a tangent, this is off topic a little bit, but does the fact that he's all of a sudden getting blisters off these pitches, is this evidence that he has changed those pitches 
and that like uh it like are we are the blisters actually like um like blister reveal- like the, the human body revolting at something that it's not supposed well, to Well, I don't do. mean I don't mean that, <laughs> but like I've wondered why is Rich Hill so much better? Like how did how did Rich Hill get so good all of a sudden? Is this like did he change his curveball and fastball grips? And is that why now he's dealing with blisters? Because shouldn't he be calloused by this point? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's one I'm not exactly sure on because he's gone through so many different reinventions that uh, it's kind of hard to pin down like when exactly he, um, you know, he came up with this particularly grip and style. Uh, I do know that he throws the living crap out of the wall. Um, you know, like he throws it really, really hard, and that sounds counterintuitive and stupid, but um, you know, he he just sort of grips it and rips it, uh, which I think is what, a tri- you know, can attribute the, uh, the, at least a fastball blister to is just, you know, holding the baseball and throwing it as hard as you can. Maybe that's how everyone pitches, but people have said that he notably does that. I, I don't understand baseball totally. <laughs> so he has two blisters. Do you know which one was getting hot? No. Uh, and again, it's unclear of how hot they were, or how tender they were. Um, but, you know, Dave Roberts said that it was a concern. And, and even if the blister wasn't hot, you know, if they were afraid that he was at risk, given the humidity and all that sort of stuff, I mean, it, it makes some sense. It just, it just sucks, you know? Uh, a hot bl- I'm trying to transfer my video game experience over into this blister conversation because that's basically where it comes in with that's me. That's what you so got, yeah. A hot blister is like when you can start to feel that it's, kind of going to become a problem if you keep doing this, but yeah. it's not quite at the full-fledged I, blister I, point. I read this as, I when when Andy or whoever said hot, I read it as literal, that they actually put fingers on it and went, ooh, that's hot. <laughs> Is it not that? Was it not radiating heat? <laughs> you really know this little about blisters? <laughs> this really does seem a very far Well, it's friction. Here. It's friction. I mean, how do I know? You just haven't done very many repetitive uh, motions oh, in gosh. your life. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, no, I think, yeah, I think what uh, Ben was saying is accurate. Like, you can feel it start to, I mean, I think I've had, the, I'm sure I've had the video game blisters before. And, you you know, you, like, feel it and you're like, man, if I keep playing, you know, uh, WWE Smackdown like I am definitely going to feel a blister pretty soon but I, I really want yeah. to win the Intercontinental title tonight uh, and uh, you know and then you wake up in the morning and your you know, your hand is like in pain and your mom's like what happened to your hand and you're like I'm just generally an idiot mom um, and it's yeah so yes I, to answer your question yes hmm. so wait um, so um, forgive me but if we're not talking about literal heat do you have any idea whether the whether the assessment that there that it was hot uh, figuratively hot was based on a trainer looking at it or based on what Rich Hill was telling them or is this catch-all I assume it's based on the trainer looking at it yeah because Hill said he felt fine so Hill's not going to say my finger feels hot uh, oh. he wants to pitch a perfect game so I would assume it's from the trainer taking a look at it so even after the game though Hill was just maintaining he was fine which admittedly yes players always underplay how hurt they are and I I think Hill recently said he was fine right before a start that had to be pushed back so yeah then he got scratched because of blisters right okay so but still you would think that you know like if he understood this decision if he was like okay with the decision if he wanted to help Dave Roberts out in any way (laughs) he he might have said (laughs) something different from I feel fine 
I, I mentioned this in the uh, in the press box that he uh, you know he could have uh, you know he could have done Davis solid there and uh, <laughs> done that. And someone said to me, "Why would he possibly want to do a, a solid right now?" Uh, um, so yeah, I mean, I, yes. To answer your question, he probably uh, you know hit on board. He just could have said, "Yeah, I was starting to feel it, but I could have pitched through it." But you know, he gave the answer that um, he wanted to give and. Um, you know, he probably wasn't thinking about his blister. Uh, like, you know, you're not, he's not on the mound thinking, wow, my blister. He's thinking like, I, man, if I can get through Jeff Francoeur, I'm going to have a perfect game. Um, <laughs> so he was kind of, you know, his thoughts elsewhere. You know, you're thinking about competing. You're not necessarily thinking about your health. What was the score at the time? It was five to nothing. So, I mean, if, if, if he has two blisters and each one corresponds to a pitch, he could have theoretically gone out there with one pitch and, you know, I mean, tried it. Like, what What do you have to lose? Just try it. Like, stop throwing curveballs? Yeah, like, Just... <laughs> stop throwing curveballs, right. Like, curve first, <laughs> first base runner, he's out of the game. And so there's no there's no loss there. And, uh, that reminds you know, maybe me of when, uh, when uh, Jose Reyes uh, popped an oblique with the Mets in uh, 2010 instead of uh, – Instead of putting him on the DL, they told him to stop switch hitting. <laughs> so we all saw Hill's reaction in the dugout. I and, didn't. Oh, well. It Tell was, me about it, Ben. It was hot, I guess you could say. Literally hot? <laughs> yeah, he was exasperated. I was actually going to ask you, Sam, whether your reaction was more heated than Rich Hill's when you heard the news, but... You didn't see it, so I was a little, to be honest. I was a little scared that he would complete it, and then I'd have to stay up all night writing. So this is actually <laughs> so it was okay with me. Well, he looked upset, and it wasn't totally clear at the time whether he was upset at Roberts, whether he was upset at the frailties of fingers, or you know, fate, or what. But it seems clear that he was not happy with Roberts or Honeycutt or whoever because he was not helping them out with his post-game comments, did he seem still upset when he was talking after the game? Or He, uh, yeah, he was very, I don't know if you guys have talked to Rich Hill much before, um, but he was very, very measured and very reserved, like very much like I'm going to answer your questions and I'm not, I'm going to praise Dave Roberts. I do not want to discuss this. Uh-huh. Like he dropped, uh, hold on, let me see uh, some of these quotes I have here that I've been using my story. Just like, uh, uh, you know, it happened. You need to move on, and that's really it. You know, like things uh-huh. like that. Like I am not <laughs> going to say anything about how I am angry at my manager. You know, like, um, <laughs> but you know, he he was like, I get it, I get it. You know, he was very effusive in his praise of Dave Roberts, um, who I really do think you know is a, is a prime candidate for manager of the year. I don't think that's a unique opinion, but you know, he was. He was upset. He had a chance to throw a perfect game, and he got taken out when he was just like destroying the Marlins. It's uh, it's frustrating. But uh, he, you know, he he stayed sort of under control in the clubhouse. Uh, he was certainly, obviously, pissed off uh, in the dugout to the point where like he was pacing the dugout like three batters into Joe Blanton's appearance was like still, you know, <laughs> stalking the dugout and like you know swiping his cap at the air and shouting like he was. He was pissed off. Uh, you know, he's apparently like a, like a righteous nut when he's on the mound, which is pretty great because he, uh, he's a fairly mild-mannered fellow, um, you know, when he's not pitching. You, uh, you tweeted, the consensus from Dodgers players, this sucks, but we need Rich Hill to be healthy in October. And it was hard to read how much enthusiasm there was in that paraphrase. 
was it this? Do, do you get the sense that it was the same from those guys that it was like, well, we're not gonna like we're, this is not the moment we're gonna you know say something bad about our manager, but we're pissed too. It was more like this sucks. This sucks for Rich. But if we lose Rich, we're screwed again. It comes back to that. So, but you, so you, you buy it. You buy that. I mean, like this is the well. The Dodgers have a lot of grown ups on their team. You know, they're, they have you know adults on the team uh, for the most part. And so you know, then they and like, yeah. I mean, I think you have to be somewhat childish to not understand what's going on here. I, I think not to be like negative about all the kind people who follow me on Twitter, but you kind of have to, you know, be uh, dope not to get this. <laughs> like, uh, like, I mean, it sucks. Like, it, it you know, it sucks. It, it totally sucks for, for Rich Hill, you know, a guy who, you know, has come back from uh, a lot, who's you know, really well liked by his teammates and all that, you know, it, uh, it, it really sucks, you know, but like I was, you know, I was in the, uh, uh, the hotel lobby, uh, walking to my room and, and that song wonderful tonight by, uh, by Eric Clapton came on, you know, what a, what a beautiful song. Right. And then you remember that, you know, his wife left him and then he became like addicted to heroin. And then like, I got into my like hotel room and I like cracked a, a Coors Light in the mini bar. And I was like, man, this tastes so good. It reminds me of, you know, college. And then I was like, oh man, I miss college so much and life is going to end soon. And we're all just sort of drifting towards death. And you remember that life sucks. And, and this Rich Hill thing was another reminder that, uh, you know, that life is just a, you know, a series of, you know, swift kicks below the belt. And, uh, you know, you try and take whatever joy you can get from it. Look, if, 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 I mean, I, I think you're, you know, you're probably basically right, but you have to, <laughs> you have to, uh, I mean, you're, you and anybody who, who, you know, agrees with that is, is giving the Dodgers the benefit of that or is giving Dave Roberts the benefit of the doubt, which, uh, Dave Roberts seems like a, like a, like a, like a seriously stand up dude. And I'm, my tendency is to give him the benefit of the doubt, but, like, I still think the pulling Ross Stripling is the worst move that a manager has made this year. I just think it was so monumentally stupid. Like, the, the, the I mean, really, I think the lack of perspective that it shows, uh, was staggering. And, I mean, look, the, like, the, I've been, about, I don't know, about six months ago, I got hung up on this idea, and I feel like I've become kind of one note in it, but I really feel like teams have to figure out uh, more ways to define success than won the World Series. There are a lot of ways to define success in one's life, and it is not only one thing. Uh, you're probably not going to win the World Series, even if that's your only goal. Uh, and uh, if you want to have a full life, you have to accept success where it comes. And I feel like pulling Ross Stripling... I mean, you're talking about a guy who has a chance to do something that has literally never been done. It is truly historic to have a Major League debut, a no-hitter in your Major League debut, is unprecedented. It will, you know, I mean, it will make you at the very least trivia for the next, you know, 75 years. And the downside is that, well, maybe there's a little bit of risk for a pitcher whose career is unlikely to amount to a great deal and whose value to the club long term is unlikely to be very significant. That's not true. That's that's not true about Ross Stripling. No, Ross Stripling's uh, a perfectly fine pitcher. Like he's he's actually been pretty valuable for the Dodgers this year. Uh, all right. So again, okay. Is but what is the manager's? I, I get what you're saying, and and I and I think there's a, a, a significant part of me that uh, agrees with it. You know that we that we should not be so narrowly defined uh, in what we're 
you know, trying to do. But I'm not exactly sure how a big league manager uh, answers that to his bosses. You know, when his bosses say, why the fuck did you put this guy with a surgically repaired right arm who hasn't thrown more than 100 pitches, you know, in his entire career, why did you put him out there, you know, for 125 pitches in the rain when he was clearly his, you know, his command was dipping and his fastball velocity was dipping and you're putting him at risk and we're trying to win the World Series. Why did you do that? And, you know, to say like, well, I thought it'd be a good moment for the kid. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Andrew Freeman would be like, Jesus Christ, like, get this guy out of here. Like, you know, what are we doing? Uh, so I get what you're saying. The point of the endeavor is to win the World Series. Like, that's why they assemble all these people together. The point is to try and win the World Series. You know, that's, I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's not the point for every individual player. Uh, maybe for some, you know, it's a way to make money, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in general, the point of the team is you try and win the World Series so you can make money for your owners and make your fans happy and continue to make money in that way. You know, so I, I don't know how, as a manager, you're supposed to, you know, get past that. Yeah, well, I mean, I... I think is a, I think, well, for one thing, I don't think that the only point is to win the World Series. I don't think that guys who don't win the World Series retire and immediately, you know, like commit harikari and say, well, I didn't do it. Like, there's a lot of ways to be successful in this sport. So I don't know that I would define it so limit, uh, you know, in such a limited way, uh, as that. Uh, and I also think that you don't have to look at every, look, if, if something lowers your World Series odds by, I don't know, a 40th of 1%, that doesn't mean that you avoid it at all costs if there's some value to it. And, like, that's where I would... I mean, I, I think that pulling Rich Hill is much more justified, in my opinion, than pulling Ross Stripling. I think that was... You know, what's, what's interesting about that is Dave Roberts said tonight that pulling Rich Hill was much, much tougher than pulling Ross Stripling. Do you think that that, and, and, and again, you know, you know, you know Dave Roberts a lot better than I do. And so, like, as a stranger to me, I can just, you know, go out, whatever he said, you know, he's saying what, but I mean, there's the fact that Rich Hill has the service time, that Rich Hill has, you know, some pull in a clubhouse simply by being a veteran who's pitching well. Is that, do you think that's a big factor in why it was hard for him? I mean, you do not take away the veterans' perks. Yeah, I think it's the, the fact that, you know, they know kind of his story and his history and what he's been through to get here. So to do it to that guy, to do it to Stripling, it's, you know, like, it's, it, and then there's also, there's the difference between a no-hitter and a perfect game. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he just appreciates I, the perfect game. <laughs> which I can respect. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I, you know, and, and I'm, like, I'm pretty shitty at my job, but, like, I knew there were more no-hitters than uh, perfect games. But uh, I kind of forgot how few there were. Yeah. Uh, like, there's only been 23. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which which seems low. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh, man, I thought there was like 50. I could probably name every perfect game in my lifetime. Like, they're a big, they're a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I can't name one of them except for Sandy Koufax. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, what was the last perfect game? Seriously, when, when was it? Uh, it was probably Matt Cain. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. I guess I don't know. I don't remember. But yeah, so I think the the perfect game aspect of it uh, I, I played a bit of a a bit of a role, for sure. Um, but with Stripling, you know, it was like because with with this one with Stripling, he was at a hundred pitches. He was like pitching worse. It was a uh, it was a two run game, and he had just walked a guy. So like Roberts was like, I'm trying to win the game, and I'm trying to keep this guy healthy. And this one, like Ridge Hill was just carving up the Marlins. Like they had. 
no chance. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Yaziel Puig ruined Roberts' night by making this, like, insane catch <laughs> in left field when Puig's playing left field for the first time in four years. Um, just <laughs> yeah, ruining that, his manager's life. <laughs> I want I want to ask you about both of those things because I know you you listen to this podcast, so you've been hearing the raves about Rich Hill for a year or so every few days. Yeah. But it seems like you didn't become a complete convert until you have actually been watching him in person. And during this outing, you tweeted something about how you acknowledge that he's what the the best pitcher you've ever seen, or something he's like the, that. He's the best pitcher I've ever seen, and I've covered Clayton Kershaw and Mariano Rivera and you know healthy Wade Davis. I mean, he's he's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, wh- what was what? the Holy the actual shit. outing? We've we've only discussed the end of the outing, but the outing itself. <laughs> what were your impressions? His ball has so much life. Uh, his ball moves just like incredibly uh just he was bombing so much like he just you know he was getting these like looking strikeouts by you know these fastballs that were just tailing in and these guys had no these guys were they were like these four seamers that looked like two seamers they were moving so much his curveball he can throw it from like five different arm angles and he can throw it for strikes he can throw it for balls just uh man yeah he's 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 amazing uh, I, I, yeah, I guess I'd never really seen him pitch until these past couple weeks. And I've only seen him pitch three times, but he's the best pitcher I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> I love when he drops down. That's the best. Oh my, he threw like, uh, he threw a curveball to, I want to say Brandon Belt in his first start where I was like, literally like, what the, you know, was that? <laughs> like, I'd never, I like, I hadn't, I can't remember someone throwing that pitch. Uh, he's, yeah, he's great. Give him a hundred million dollars in free agency. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that question too. <laughs> what, what is uh, what what is like the sort of general feeling around that trade? Because Reddick has obviously not been good, and Hill wasn't available until three starts ago. Are they? I I don't I don't follow the LA media quite so much as I used to, but are they? Uh, like, are they having to answer questions about that trade, especially like now with Cotton debuting and everything? No, I mean I think. Reddick has turned it on in the last couple of weeks. He's actually been pretty good for, you know, a week or so, which is about right because he wasn't a, you know, a natural 430 OPS guy um, or like 130 OPS guy. He was like, he's horrible for for most of August. So I think once Hill started, you know, Hill took them out. I think it was like like August 23rd or something like that. He was so good that they didn't really have to answer questions for a while. But, yeah, I mean, there was kind of a sense of, like, hey, uh, is this guy ever going to play? Um, and, with, and with Reddick, it's kind of hard because, you know, like, he was bad for, like, two weeks. But, like, you know, again, like, grown-ups understand that, you know, baseball players might be bad for two weeks, and that's not a sign that a trade's the worst thing ever. So uh, I think when, when on days when Rich Hill pitches, uh, no one really complains about Jarrell Cotton, you know, being up in the majors. <laughs> And with Puig, I listened to you and Pedro talk about Puig a couple times on Sports Writers Blues, and I think when you were much lower on Puig than Pedro was, you were, or Pedro was making the point that you hadn't seen the prime Puig, you you weren't watching him on a day-to-day basis when he was having really excellent seasons, and that maybe you would feel different about his hopes of coming back to that level if you had witnessed that, and, you know, you talked to scouts who who told you about his declining athleticism and the body's not where it was and all of that. And now you've seen a signature Puig moment. And I know you'd been impressed by his defense before, but this 
moment, just not only playing left field, as you mentioned, for first time in years, and that isn't that easy to do if you talk to outfielders and they'll tell you that it's hard to go from one corner right. to the next. And, you know, there's different tail and slice and different angles and all of that. And he went a mile to get this ball and then totally laid out, not quite Jim Edmonds angle, but almost. It was really an incredible play, not even taking into account the context of preserving the perfect game. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a great play. Uh, I still think you can talk to scouts, you know, his, he is still, uh, pretty limited at the plate and uh, that's you know continuing to be an issue but yeah I mean that was a really that was a great catch um, for sure I mean there's no there's no arguing that yeah did Robert say anything about what he was feeling when that ball was in the air because <laughs> uh, hold on I can uh, I can pull that up he said there might have been a little bit of me that wouldn't have been upset if the ball had dropped <laughs> said that with, a, with a, a rueful smile on his face <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Though, if so, oh, no. if, oh, I'm just saying, if he was already thinking of pulling Hill, when did he? When did the blister get hot? <laughs> I'm I'm feeling like the story is breaking down. Did he? Was he already planning on pulling Hill before the catch? And therefore, was this based on the sixth inning hotness? They're thinking about it. Well, I, Andy, I need to know what I need to. <laughs> I need to know how they examine this blister. Like, did like I genuinely have no idea what the extent a of their trainer comes this blister. and looks at his hand, and Hill says, "Go away." And I... <laughs> in the sixth or in the seventh? I mean, I assume in both. But like, all so it was kind of maybe it was like it was like eighty five percent. It was like the it was the mountain climber on the Price is Right, and he was getting close to the cliff, and then they they got the a member of the front office. You know, said to me, we're, "We're not." You know, the thought is that we are not out of the woods with Hill's blister in that, you know, they feel like they need to be monitoring it at all times. So you don't think that they just went into this game with a 90 pitch pitch count and that was it and that there was no hotness at all. They just said, hey, you got to 90. I, I mean, do we really like do we really just think the manager is just going to make something up? I mean, I know it's possible, but I tend to like tend to go against outright lies, you know, based on just like Occam's razor. You know, I, I don't yeah. really think that, you know, the manager is just outright lying i think that you know it's too easy for him to get caught especially in this era especially in like a heightened situation like this so i you know i there's definitely just some dissonance between what the player thinks about the severity of the blister and what the team thinks about the severity of the blister and do you i mean this isn't anywhere near aj ellis trade levels of dodgers discontent or where does it rank on the on the scale of one to aj ellis trade did kershaw cry tonight (laughs) oh man he, no, he did not cry. Uh, we're thrilled that Rich Hill didn't pitch a perfect game. Uh, no, I would I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the Ellis thing was just like a blindside sort of like they were just completely blindsided. So this, they all acknowledge basically that it just sucks. And, uh, you know, they wish that it hadn't gone the way it did. But I think there was definitely an explanation for why it did. And it's hard to, again, like, I just think it's, it's, you kidding? Like, like if I was the manager, I probably would have let him keep pitching. But that doesn't mean that what they did was not without thought and not without reason. And I think you write what their reasons are, and then you know if you think they're wrong, you can think they're wrong. But I don't know. There's a lot of other stuff to to really get upset about. I think that's all. I mean, that's all exactly right. Like, I don't think that they made this decision frivolously, and uh, I don't think that they would consider it a poor decision based on what they prioritize. 
I don't know. I, I think that it's worth interrogating their priorities just because, you know, I'm not totally in love with the priorities that stat head front offices bring to the game. I mean, to some degree, it seems like being a good stat head means doing the thing that nobody else had the guts to do, but maybe they didn't have the guts to do it because it's a dumb thing to do. It's like not fun. <laughs> it's not like it's not fulfilling to humanity. We talk so often, though, about how people make decisions because they're afraid of getting criticism. I respect him. I mean, look, I totally respect him. I respect the decision. Like, Why did I pitch my guy in that spot? That's his spot, you know, yeah. like, and if you, to do it, to deviate from so otherwise subjects yourself to criticism. And I think, you know, there, there's, there's one thing you can say about Dave Roberts is he is willing to just completely put it on him. Like he is a hundred percent willing to say, this is me. I'm the one making the decision and I'm not, you know, going to hang my players out to dry or I'm not going to subject them to the risk. You know, he's done it before with, with Clayton Kershaw in various games, you know, so he's, he's willing to just say like, I'm, you know, I'm doing something and this is my decision. And if you want to, you know, if you want to rip me for it, rip me for it. But, you know, I'm taking ownership of it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, look, I, I respect Dave Roberts, particularly in this situation. I respect the Dodgers front office. I respect everybody who's just out there trying to do what they think is best. I don't think anybody went into this with malevolence or even with a lack of consideration for other people's feelings. I just, I, my personal feeling is that uh, letting Rich Hill go batter by batter at most six more batters at most, probably 21 more pitches, probably risks, my guess, back of the envelope, one 350th of a World Series title, okay? Because they're probably not going to win it anyway, and even if Rich Hill throws a perfect game, they might still win it. So it's maybe a, maybe one 350th of a World Series, and Rich Hill had, I don't know, just blind guess, a one in four chance of throwing a perfect game today. And to me, a perfect game for Rich Hill is more than 185th the value of a World Series. That's my own personal math. And, uh, you know, you can disagree with it. Have you seen Rich Hill pitch? I mean, he might do it on, like, his next start. <laughs> they'll pull him with eight, they'll pull him eight and two thirds. Yeah, there you go. With Goldsmith up. By the way, I actually, I wish, I wish my back of the envelope math had been more convincing because I'm actually not sure that I think that a, <laughs> Rich Elberva game is 185th. I should have, if I'm, if I'm just making up numbers, why didn't I go like 1,000th and, and, and one third? Like, like I could have gotten, gotten, I could have been, been so much more convincing, convincing with the final result. You know, one thing I found interesting about being here in Los Angeles, and especially coming from Kansas City, uh, obviously the front offices have uh, kind of different pedigrees, but like, man, a lot of people on the internet hate this front office. It is like they just accuse them of the most nefarious sort of stuff. It is really, uh, it is really goofy to me. Like uh, there is a, a level of antipathy for this front office that I just, I, I don't totally know where it's coming from. And it's been, um, it's interesting, you know, over the course of this year to try and figure out what's at the heart of it. I, I, you know, I assume most of it is just kind of anti-intellectualism, but it's, uh, man, it's like really, really strong and strange. Well, there's a contingent that loves them, too. <laughs> I guess there's just two extremes. No one's like, yeah, I guess they're okay. <laughs> right. The last question we have to end on is the Rich Hill contract question. I think it's time to revisit that. Rich Hill is uh, about a month away, two months away from becoming a free agent, and he gets more and more impressive with each start. I think in this start, he uh, he passed Clayton Kershaw for lowest ERA of this season. So assuming he actually makes it through the rest of the season and keeps pitching, it's going to get very interesting. I know that you talked about this on your most recent episode, but 
that was before seven perfect innings. So it's time to revisit it. And we haven't gotten Sam's figure in, in quite some time. I quit updating. We we went through we I mean look, we brought out we brought out comps, Ben. Like we had the final say. I mean, unless you think things have changed like you could ask me if things have changed because of the blister and, and all that, but I, I was ready. I was considering that settled until the end of the season. And where did you end? I think we ended at three sixty five. Three and sixty five. <laughs> Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> what did uh what did uh Granky get? Uh, sa- uh six two ten, I think. Maybe six and two seventeen. Seven two forty five then? Does that sound about right? <laughs> <laughs> well, cause what Pedro set the over under at forty nine and you've been strong under. <laughs> Pedro suggested it to me as like he was like he just you know, Pedro I, I don't know how often you guys listen, but Pedro just has some of the dumbest opinions imaginable about baseball. Um and he was They're they're thoughtful thoughtfully wrong, I would say. <laughs> yeah. God bless Pedro, he's the best. But he was like this was in like June and we were talking about free agency and uh, he was like, Yeah, like Rich Hill's gonna get fifty million dollars this off season. I was like, "What, Rich Hill? Like that loser? No chance." <laughs> and uh, and now I'm I'm more and more convinced. But I would say uh, Hill is gonna get uh, two years, thirty six. Hmm. It's two different questions, really, because Sam would have given him like fifty million last off season. I think. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, what would you give him if there was someone? bidding you up at what point would you stop and say oh, fine man. you can have rich hill and then am, the, am the, the separate Dodgers? question is what is he actually going to get but yeah what would I, you give him <laughs> am i am i the dodgers doing this or am i just yeah, sort I, of a random team I, well i guess uh, you're i don't know you could be the dodgers if, I, if that changes if things. i was the dodgers i mean i would just you know i'd go up to like two still two you're starting with two yeah, I'm not giving a. This is the you know I'm not giving a, a a three year contract to a guy who's gonna be 37. I I know he's probably going to win like five more Cy Youngs, um, and he's just so good when he does pitch. But you know he's throwing like 95 innings this year. It's it's hard for me to to even to, if to he marry does guys that though. <laughs> even if you started Richa like once every two weeks and he was just this <laughs> he's, good and you he's a you gave him, pitcher. Yeah, yeah, and you gave I, him a blister time to heal every I, time. Yeah, I mean we. The last time we did the last time we did this, Richo was still. I think he was still pitching. Uh, so it's been basically two and a half months of total inactivity since the last time we talked about this. And I don't feel like the blisters are troublesome. Like I, if I signed him in this offseason, I would not be like, well, geez, you know, the blisters might come back. Like I, again, like I have experience with blisters as a human being. They just quit I, coming at some point. But I, I think that his don't inability think you to have demonstrate experience with blisters. <laughs> <laughs> his inability I, I mean it, I was kind of anticipating that he'd have 170 innings under his belt this year and it would be kind of proof of concept and the fact that he's going to end this year with you know 108 innings or or 106 if Dave Roberts has anything to say about it is Ooh. kind of a problem <laughs> yeah I, I just I'm perfectly fine giving him a two-year contract I just and and giving him 20 million dollars a year I guess but three years is a long time you know it's a really long time I don't know. I just it's hard to it's hard for me to commit three years to a guy who's going to be thirty seven. Like remember how good R R A Dickey was? R A Dickey, yeah, he was one of he was our prime comp. He was our prime comp on this. And right. uh, and, and you know what R A Dickey? Oh, you know what? It's working out pretty good. He throws two hundred and five innings a year as a league average pitcher, which at you know eighteen million dollars a year is not that bad. I want to believe in the magic of Rich Hill. I you know I want to I want to believe in. I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope he makes a ton of money. Seems like a nice guy, and he's the best pitcher I've ever seen. 
So, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe he and Dave Roberts can, like, tour the memorabilia circuit. Like, you know, uh, what was that guy's name? Jim Joyce and uh, Andre Armando Galarraga. Galarraga. Yeah. Yeah, they can write a book together like those guys we did. Just about about this, 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 is really, this is really revealed that Andy does not listen to us. That is two in five minutes where, it, like, even listening occasionally, he would have... He has his own podcast now. He doesn't need us anymore. I'm surprised week, you came weekly, on. weekly, weekly. I'm a pretty de- I'm a pretty dedicated listener. Uh, I've kind of fallen into a pattern though. Where I've been a little out of touch for the last couple of weeks. I, I I'll be honest about that. I mean I think uh, I've been uh, as I mentioned before on this podcast I've been pretty focused on the election and uh, so I've been spending a lot of my podcast hours. Uh, you know. All right. Okay. Well, we uh, appreciate you coming on late at night, uh, even though you have your own five-star rated podcast that you've now scooped, and you'll have to rehash everything you said on your next episode. Rated by all seven (laughs) people at five stars. (laughs) But uh, people should listen to it. It's really good. It's called Sports Writers Blues. Sam named it. Sam named it. It's a good name. That's part of it, too. And you can uh, go yell at Andy for criticizing the people in his mentions tonight at McCullough Times and obviously read him regularly in the L.A. Times. Andy, thanks a lot. Hey, have a good one, guys. All right. So we will end this there. You can support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectively wild. Five listeners who have already done so, Eric McAvoy, Colby James, John Liu, Evan Haldane, and Hugh Hansen. You can buy our book, The Only Rules It Has to Work, our wild experiment building a new kind of baseball team. Check out the website, theonlyrulesithastowork.com. Leave us a review on Amazon and Goodreads if you like the book. You can join our Facebook group, where there are roughly 20 Rich Hill threads going on right now at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild and you can rate and review and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes email me and Sam at podcast at baseballperspectives.com or by messaging us through Patreon we will be back with another episode soon Big decision, I know you're not through with it yet. It's a big decision, you can't kick when you're down. I got blisters on my finger!